प्रहिणोति तस्मै तम हदेवमात्मबुद्धि प्रकाशम मुमुक्षुर्वै शरणमहम् प्रपद्ये ओम शांति 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 ओम पार्थाय प्रतिबोधितां भगवता नारायणेन स्वयं व्यासेन ग्रथितां पुराणमुनिना मध्ये महाभारतम् अद्वैतामृतवर्षिणीं भगवतीं अष्टादशाध्यायिनीं अम्बदपदक्रमोपनिषदैः गायन्तियं सामगाह ध्यानावस्थित तद्गतेन मनसा पश्यन्दियं योगिनः यस्यांतन्न विदुस्सुरा सुरगणाह देवाय तस्मै नमः Let's chant from the fourth verse maya tatamidam sarvam jagadavyakta murtina matsthani sarva bhutani nachaham teshva vasthitaha नचमत्स्थानि भूतानि पश्यमेयोगमेश्वरम् भूतभ्रुन्नचभूतस्थः ममात्मा भूतभावनः यथाकाशस्थितो नित्यम् वायु सर्वत्र गोमहान् तथा सर्वाणि भूतानि मत्स्थानि त्युपधारये सर्वभूतानि काउंतेये प्रकृतिम् यान्ति मामिकाम् कल्पक्षये पुनस्तानि कल्पादो विश्रुजाम्यहम् प्रकृतिम् स्वामवश्तब्ये विश्रुजामि पुनः पुनः भूतग्राममिमं कृत्स्नम् अवशम प्रकृतेर्वशाद सर्वभूतानि काउंटेय प्रकृतम् यान्ति मामिकाम कल्पक्षे हे काउंटेय कल्पक्षे 
when there is a kshaya or the end of his kalpa, end of his cycle of creation. At that time, Sarabhutani, Maam, Prakrutimyanti, here Arjuna, the whole universe is folded up into my Prakriti, into my Maya. Kalpado Visrajamyam. Again, when the next cycle of creation comes, I bring forth the universe. Prakrutim Swamavastamya Visrajami Punafpunaha. And thus, wielding my Prakriti, wielding my Maya, wielding this inscrutable power of creation, Visrajami Punafpunaha. Again and again, I bring forth this universe. Again and again I fold it back, again and again I bring it forth. Bhuta gram imam krishnam avasam prakrutair vasat. Imam krishnam bhuta gramam. But this whole entire host of this creation, bhuta gramam, this host of all the beings, avasam, all of them are helpless. Prakrutair vasat, being controlled by the prakruti, being controlled by the nature, being controlled by maya. What is Lord Krishna saying is that the universe that is created is under the control of Maya. I, the creator, is the one who controls the Maya. Prakritim Swamavashtabhya. I control my Maya and thus bring forth this universe again and again. <coughs> so we discussed it yesterday how our scriptures look upon this creation as an ongoing process, as a cyclic process. That is it's nothing is nothing new is created really but what we call creation is bringing to manifestation from the state of unmanifest just as i wake up in the morning from the deep sleep the deep sleep is the state of unmanifest when my personality is in a total potential form and when i wake up it comes to manifestation Again I go to sleep, my personality becomes unmanifest in a potential form, in a causal form. And then as I wake up, becomes manifest, becomes effect. From effect state to the cause state, from causal state to the effect state, this is how the cycle of creation goes on again and again. <coughs> so, when Lord Krishna says, Maya tatamidam saram jagadavyaktamurthina, that I pervade the entire creation in this manner. The whole universe has come from me. It is sustained by me. It goes back unto me. <coughs> that being the case, I alone manifest myself as a universe. So in the beginning of cycle of creation, I manifest myself as a universe. At the end of it, again I fold this unto myself. <coughs> this Lord Krishna proclaims himself to the creator of the universe. The Lord. By Lord Krishna, I don't mean the person Krishna here. By Lord Krishna, I mean the Lord. <coughs> this is how we look upon the teacher of Bhagavad Gita. We look upon the teacher of Bhagavad Gita as none other than Lord Himself. In the fourth chapter, Lord Himself explained, Yada yadahi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhyutthanam dharmasya tadatmanam sujamyam Whenever there is a decline of dharma, righteousness, and whenever a dharma of unrighteousness becomes strong, powerful, then I bring myself, my, my I incarnation, paritranaya sadhunam, to protect the sadhu, to, to protect the good, vinashaya chidushkrutam, and to destroy the evil, dharma samsthapanarthaya, and to establish the dharma, the order, the righteousness. So, thus, Lord Krishna 
is nothing but the incarnation of the, the, the very Lord, the very Jagat Karanam, the cause of creation. So Lord Krishna is the incarnation of Lord Narayana himself, of the Lord who is the very cause of the creation. And he is the one who is teaching Bhagavad Gita. So Bhagavad Gita is a very interesting text. Who is the teacher of Bhagavad Gita? The Lord is the teacher of the Bhagavad Gita. And what does he talk about? He talks about the Lord. Thus, the teacher also is a Lord and the subject matter also is a Lord. <clears throat> That's the reason why we look upon these words or statements with a great trust, with a great reverence, with a great devotion. <clears throat> so here Lord says, I am the very creator of the universe. I am the sustainer. I am the destroyer. See now, appreciate Lord. This is the first appreciation of Lord. Because when we look at the universe, we don't see God with our eyes. But when we look at the universe, we find that the universe is a very systematically functioning system. There is a scheme of things and everything that is created has a role to play in the scheme of things. And thus we can see that it is not an accident. The universe is not an accident. It is a creation. It is an intelligent creation meant to serve a certain purpose. And therefore, whatever there is in the universe, whatever that is, sentient or insentient, is intelligently created, is meant to serve a certain purpose. So this being the case, we say that this universe is a creation. And where there is a creation, there must be a creator. Who is the creator? The Lord is the creator. So creator of the universe is called God. So first appreciation of God is He is the creator of the universe. He is the sustainer of the universe. He is the ordainer of the universe. It is under His rule or under His control that all the various elements of the universe function in a systematic manner. As we have been discussing, all these mighty forces, the, such as the space, and the air, and the fire, and the water, and the earth, and the sun, and the moon, the stars, and the galaxies, all these mighty forces, all the mighty forces nevertheless are functioning. So everything has been a point place, and thus everything, every element of nature performs its appointed duty, as though an obedient servant, that shows that there must be an ordainer of the universe. So first appreciation of God is the creator of the universe, the ordainer of the universe. <clears throat> That's the first appreciation. Now, when we say this God has created the world, then a question will arise in our mind. But Lord, have you created a world like this? You made some people happy, some people unhappy. You have made some people fortunate, some people unfortunate. You have created a universe where is so much disparity is there. Does it mean that you are partial to some people and you are cruel to some others? It seems that in the universe some people or certain things are favored. A great disparity in this universe. Moment God says that I create the universe, that means He is stuck with the creatorship of a universe in which there is disparity in which there is inequality. God, Lord, you created the universe with inequality. Is it that you are favoring some people and then you are partial to some others? 
So, moment we present God as the creator, these questions will definitely arise. Vaishamya Nairghunya Vaishamya that he is partial. Nairghunya he is cruel. He is partial to those who appear to be favored. He is cruel to those who do not have that advantage who are of this kind of universe. We therefore possessed of a nature of partiality and cruelty. If you are partial, if you are cruel, if you also have likes and dislikes, that means you are also like us. We are all samsaris, we are all uh, jivas, we are all limited beings with our own likes and dislikes. And you also seem to be one like us. Is God also a samsari? Is he also a limited being? Does he also have his own emotional problems? Does he also function out of likes and dislikes? When Lord says that he has created the universe, what is the nature of that creatorship? That is being described in the ninth verse. Nibadhananti dhananjaya Udasina vadasinam Asaktam teshu karmasu This is a very beautiful uh, unfoldment of the nature of God, the nature of reality. First unfoldment is, He is a creator, He is a sustainer, He is a destroyer, He is the ordainer, He is almighty. Well, He is appreciated as a creator, closer to Him. But, uh, you know, let us look at this now world from His standpoint. Normally, when we perform action, the limited being, the ignorant people, when we perform actions, then in the action there is always a sense of identification and ego that I am doing so and so. I am speaker, I am listener, I am the eater, I am the doer, I am the enjoyer. This is ahankara, the sense of identification or ego is always involved in the actions that we perform. More often than not also when we perform the action, the action is performed always with a desire for a certain personal reward also. Prayojanam anudishya namandobi pravartate. Not even a dull-headed person will perform an action unless there is some personal reward. Either I want my ego to be or my sense organs to be gratified, I am seeking some gratification, some personal reward. That personal reward may be in terms of getting some desirable object. The personal reward may be in terms of getting some recognition, some appreciation, some recognition, some ego gratification. Some emotional gratification, some intellectual gratification, some ego gratification, some sensuous gratification, some other gratification I am seeking and is motivated by the desire to be gratified. I perform action not so much, but I perform the action for the sake of the reward and therefore the reward resulting from the action is very important. So this is how an ignorant person performs actions. That action is performed with Karma Falasakti, attachment to the result of action is not, I am not interested in the result. Whenever we perform an action, there is always a result going to be there. And when we perform an action, we always perform an action with a certain end in mind, which is quite alright. Without that, we can't do anything. But usually, when an incomplete, inadequate, insecure person performs actions, 
the person who is unhappy, insecure, inadequate. And therefore, to me, the result has a certain personal importance in as much as I look upon the result of the action as a, 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 some, as a personal reward. I am seeking some personal reward through the result. Now, whenever I perform action like this, I am bound by the action. Action binds me. Whenever there is ego, the sense of doership behind the action, that I am doing it, that's when the ego is there. And also when there is the attachment to the fruits of the action, the reward, personal reward, then the action becomes a binding action. How does the action bind me? Action may produce a result which is agreeable to me or not agreeable to me. If the result is agreeable to me, I brand it as a success and I call myself a successful person. If the result is not in keeping with my expectations, I brand it a failure and I brand myself a failure. And then usually, as a result of performing an action, one of the, one of the other of the feeling arises in me, I am successful, I am failure. Both of these are reactions. When I, result, when I brand the result as success, it creates in me a reaction of elation, of happiness, harsha. When on the other hand, I look upon the result as failure, then there is sadness. So I react either with elation or with sadness. Also while performing action, there is also an awareness in me or consciousness in me that I am doing it. And that's the reason why I brand myself successful or failure. What happens is, when I look upon myself as a successful person, and when I congratulate myself, then there is also a need for a continuous success. Or when I look upon myself as a failure, then there is also that this success, this complex of success and failure is going to influence my next action. And that will, uh, again, these complexes will continue, perpetuate, further creating reactions of likes and dislikes. So this is what is meant by action binding to a person when action creates various complexes in me and action also creates the reactions of likes and dislikes, attachments and aversions, pleasure and pain. Pain I want to avoid, therefore I will perform an action to avoid the pain. Pleasure I am seeking, therefore I will perform an action seeking the pleasure. And that is how it is not I who controls what I am doing, but it is the result that controls what I am doing. It is not I who controls what I am doing, but it is my ego that controls what I am doing. And therefore I will have a tendency to avoid actions that are unpleasant. I will have a tendency to seek actions that are pleasant. I will have a tendency to, and that is how my likes and dislikes will always determine the action that I perform and the result will create further likes and dislikes and that is how this whole chain of likes and dislikes keep on being perpetuated whenever action is performed with, a, with ego and whenever action is performed with a desire for a personal reward. So there is this kartrutva buddhi, abhimanam, identification with karma and asakti, attachment to the result. So this is usually the way an ordinary person performs action. That is the reason why when we judge the action of the Lord who has created the world, then we judge him also like we would, you know. So, no, since I perform the action as motivated by likes and dislikes, since I have certain acts to grind, since I want to accomplish something, therefore, 
my action will perform in such a manner that I accomplish what I want and I avoid something that is that will go against my my interest self interest so naturally stealthily I'll pursue my self interest and avoid those things which go against my self interest because I have an interest to accomplish but when God performs action when he creates a world is there something that he has personally to accomplish the answer is no he has nothing to accomplish because he is whole he is full and complete up the kamaha he is totally complete and never there is nothing that is to accomplish at the personal level at, 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 nothing to accomplish or when the result comes does the brand result a success or a failure no because every result is fine as it is purnamadaha purnamidam in the standpoint of the lord everything is complete everything is perfect and therefore when he performs actions although i use the word pronoun he as though he is an individual but we explain what god is the totality so when lord creates sustains or dissolves there is no personal reward seeking in there there is no identification also that i am doing it and that's the reason why the actions dhananja but hey dhananja hey arjuna this karmas this this whole action of creation sustenance dissolution nanibadnanti all the things that i do i control the whole universe i sustain the whole universe i do everything nanibadnanti and still these actions do not bind me how come they don't mind you ureshu karmasu because i am like an udasina who is udasina one is uninvolved uninvolved even while performing the actions i am uninvolved asaktam teshu karmasu asaktah i am unattached to the result at the same time i am free from the sense of ego that i am doing this so now lord krishna lord is giving us further unfolds his nature further that is krishna ordinarship he does everything all right but there is no notion that i am doing it as an individual that sense of individuality or sense of ego is totally absent <clears throat> because ego is there only in an ignorant mind only when there is a sense of incompleteness sense of inadequacy god is totally free from that being of the nature of knowledge enlightenment asaktam teshu karmasu i remember here some stories which you might have heard perhaps some stories that are told to us it is said that once upon a time uh, you know lord krishna is said to have 16100 householder you know and through each wife he had 10 children they say you know? it must be an army of children it is said that once upon a time a sage whose name was durvasa he visited lord krishna there is a river that is separating the uh, the town here and the durvasa the sage is on the other bank of the river and the message came here to lord krishna that the sage is there with his big number of you know he has come and therefore lord krishna wanted to receive him treat him and so lord krishna told all these queens hey you go with food and feed that sage 
fine but then this queen stole the lot you know the river is in spade river is flooded there is no way that we can cross the river and go to the other bank the lord krishna says you go to the river and tell her that if lord krishna is ever a celibate ever a brahmachari then over river give us the way the queen says surprises what if lord krishna is ever a celibate ever a brahmachari says just go and tell them so queen went and say to the river oh mother river if lord krishna is ever a celibate please give us the way and the river gave the way and they could cross the river they were really amazed fine they brought the food to the sage they fed him he had a hearty meal now they had to come back so again they requested they told so then the sage said all right now we can go back and those women said how can we go back the river is flooded how can we go back then the sage says you declared go to the river and declare if sage durvasa has never eaten food then no river give us the way says what he says yeah go and tell them and this ladies came and a discussion is going on between two persons and the person the third person is watching them is a witness and who does not take any side he is called udasina in short he is unaffected by what is happening in front of him also the word udasina sanskrit word is made up of two element one is sitting both means above one is sitting above like you are standing in your balcony and on the street in front of you various kind of processions uninvolved how you watch these things without totally being affected by them the wedding procession doesn't create any any harsh or any elation in you or because you're uninvolved with that also a funeral procession doesn't create in you any sadness because again you are unconnected with that let's go udasina what is unidentified lord krishna says that when i i i am creating the universe all right but udasina what like one who is uninvolved unidentified because i am omniscient because i am all knowledge and also how come a lord some people are happy some people are unhappy don't you have any feelings for them then the reply is given here that just as when we are watching a movie if i am watching a movie lot of things happen in the movie as in the indian movies typically lot of things happen you know the hero is very happy elated because he has met his girlfriend or whatever it is very happy and that woman leaves him and then he is all all sad and weeping so this this all scenes of harsha and shoka elation and depression and so many things go on in the movie if i watch if i am a spectator in the movie of this movie when that fellow is is elated with joy that fellow is crying and weeping you know then also i am totally at at ease because i am not crying i know that this is what is going on in the movie if i am not identified of course what happens to us is when we watch movie then hardly we are able to remain objective and never we become one with that and when my favorite actor is weeping then my tears you know tears start rolling from my eyes 
So this man is sitting in an air-conditioned auditorium with a pushback chair, with a Coca-Cola in one hand and then with cashew nuts in the other hand, is watching the movie on a big mega screen, the wife on his side. And I am sitting beside him and I, I, I see, you know, tears flowing from his eyes. So look at this poor man sitting in such a comfortable position. Why, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? He says, my wife left me. His wife is sitting right beside him. What is it? My wife left him. In fact, it is that fellow's wife has left him, you know. <laughs> but this fellow is so identified with him that he is suffering the pain of his wife leaving him. This is called identification. When I am identified, I lose my freedom. I am not what I really am, I become something else. This is called bondage. I am identified, I am bound by that. That means my mood is controlled, not by me, my mood is controlled by what is happening there. But imagine that a... Uh, now, there are people who are judges who watch, see various movies and judge who is the best actor and best musician, etc. So when these people watch movies, what do you think? How do you think they watch? They watch the movie in a manner which is totally uninvolved. Because there is knowledge. What is the knowledge? All of this is on the screen. All of this is mithya. Is it not so? What is it called in English, you know, that... So, huh? Monopoly, okay, game. And so, uh, there are different, you know, I remember that game. There is Santa Cruz here and then there is Baikala there and then all these different things are there and then you buy this and you sell that and you earn money, you know, all these things happening. I play with my son who is 10 year old. That fellow is deeply involved in that and dad, I won this, I got this. I also play with him. How do I? I am Udasina. If I win a million rupees there, I know it's fine. If I lose 500,000 rupees then also I know it's fine. Why? Because I know that in spite of winning, I am not winning. In spite of losing, I am not losing. That is winning all that, but not winning also because that winning is mithya. Losing is mithya. Mithya means unreal. So this is the relationship that the Lord has with the universe. But it, like a dream, as we say, as we give the example, how when I wake up and then look back at the dream, while I am dreaming, then I do not know this is a dream and therefore my tears may be real in the dream. But when I wake up, I laugh at the things. So what is this? Thus, Lord Krishna says, I know the whole universe is mithya. And therefore, suffering also is mithya. And enjoyment also is mithya. Is unreal. That being the case, I am totally uninvolved in that. I create the whole universe. I sustain it. I destroy it without any involvement, without any identification that I am doing it. And without any extra to grind, without any objective or purpose to serve at my personal level. Udasinam Udasinam Asaktam Teshu Karmasu And that's the reason why these karma, these actions do not affect me or bind me at all. So this is a further unfoldment in the nature of Lord. He does everything. 
without being in involved in anything. He does everything, then doesn't really do anything also. How is that possible? So, the tenth verse explains that. Maya dhyakshena prakrutehi Suyate sacharacharam Hetu nanena kaunteya Jagadvipari vartate Now Lord Krishna gives his final the unfoldment of the true nature of him. We are going even closer to him now, looking at it from his standpoint, identifying with him. When I am identified with the world, God is appreciated as a creator and as an ordainer. When I go a step further and go closer to the Lord, then I find that he is creating all right, but not really creating. How is it possible? Then I go, I go even closer to him, become identified one with him and then I look at everything. Then how do I find? Maya adhyakshena prakrutihi suyate sacharacharam. Hey Arjuna, I am merely adhyakshan. I am merely a witness. I am just a witnessing presence. Prakrutihi suyate sacharacharam. In my presence alone this prakriti, this matter, this maya, this creative power, Sacharacharam suyate. It creates this whole universe consisting of the sentient and insentient being. The whole universe is created, sustained and dissolved merely in my presence. This morning you are saying, how in presence of Lord Krishna? He doesn't even have to do anything at all. All he does is plays upon his flute and the very sound of the music from the flute how everything, everything in the Vrindavan, everybody gets attracted without his effort, any effort on his part. Like in presence of the magnet, how the iron filings that move in the presence of the magnet, the magnet has no effort. How in presence of electricity, the fan rotates or revolves, not the elect. All that is required is my presence and nothing else. Imagine how powerful that presence may be. We also have sometimes experiences that when there are some people are there who have a commanding presence, like a king, his presence is commanding presence and is merely in his presence itself, everybody does that. Similarly, Lord Krishna says, I am the very presence and such presence that in just my, my being, that we are shown how Lord Narayana sustains the whole universe. How is Lord Narayana depicted? We are shown that we, are, we see Lord Narayana is depicted as lying down on his serpent bed in his yoga nidra and in his very presence the whole universe is sustained, whole universe is ordained, whole uni all creation and sustenance, everything takes place. So this is how, this is the true nature of the Lord. Although we say, we project or we generally depict the God as having number of arms and number of weapons that he is almighty and he is all pervasive and he is, you know, he is controlling the whole universe. But that is as we look at him, when we look at from his own standpoint, he doesn't do anything at all. His mere presence, 
which is the nature of existence, asti, bhati, priyam. Very existence, intelligence, very love, harmony, that is his presence. In the presence of harmony, in the presence of love, everything automatically takes. The presence of love and compassion and kindness is our own experience that things automatically happen without our having to do that. That's just our own experience. This Lord Krishna presents himself finally as that very conscious presence. Asti, bhati, priyam. Existence, intelligence, fullness. Existence, intelligence, love, harmony, in mere presence of which everything takes place. And there is no sankalpa even, there is no even or will, there is no even resolve involved on his part. And that is the ultimate nature of God. So in these verses, Lord Krishna tells us how to know him. First, know him as the creator, sustainer, dissolver, pervading the whole universe. Secondly, know him as the one who is free from any ego, free from any attachment, free from likes and dislikes. And finally, know him as the very mere presence which is of the nature of love, harmony, intelligence, existence. Hetuna anena kaundeya jagad viparivardate. Arjuna, anena hetuna, merely by this reason at all, itself, that I am present, my presence, my awareful presence, by that hetu, by that reason alone, this whole universe, jagad viparivartate, the whole universe comes into being, is sustained, is dissolved, that whole drama goes on in my presence. This is, in these ten verses, that is beginning from fourth to the tenth verses, seven verses, Lord Krishna unfolded his nature. This is Jnanam. Jnanam, Vijnana Sahitam. Now Jnana has been given to us. Now Vijnanam. How to know him? How this nature of Lord has been unfolded to us? How can we make it a reality in our life? So that's called, that is called devotion. And therefore from this verse on, now from verse 11 onwards, Lord Krishna is now unfolding the nature of his devotion as well as the nature of the devotee. So bhakti will be called vijnanam, by which we can gain the, we can gain the jnanam or the knowledge of the Lord. Before describing his bhakta or the devotee, Lord Krishna here somewhat condemns the people are opposite of that. 11th verse says, those who are not devoted to the Lord, how are they? So 11th verse tells us, Param Bhavamajanantaha Mama Bhuta Maheshwaram Lord Krishna says, I am Nitya Shuddha Buddha Mukta Svabhavaha. I am ever pure, ever free, ever the self of all. Understand this God is not somewhere else. This God is infinite who is of the nature of totality, who is whole, who is complete, he is not elsewhere, he is not somewhere else, he is my very self. 
that asti bhati priyam that existence intelligence love that wholeness or fullness is not something away from me he is my very being my very self never apart from me never apart from anything he is closer than the closest and lord krishna says even that being the case that i am the very self of everybody it is because of i that everything is in spite of that mudaha mam avajananti mudaha the deluded people mam avajananti they disregard me they disrespect me avajananti avagnya avagnya means because lord says i have assumed a human form now this is very interesting human form is lord krishna also you can say as lord krishna lord assumed a human form and there are many people who did not recognize him you must have heard the name of shishupala it is said this shishupala 1000 abuses in fact every day he used to chant there were those like vidura bhishma who recognized him but there are many who failed to recognize him mudaha manusim tarmasitam Lord Krishna says that I have taken up this avatar I'm incarnated as Lord Krishna for the welfare of this whole society and still people ignore me and in fact they disregard me they disrespect me because they think that I am just a human being and no more or this verse also can be understood in our own in our own context also that that self that lord nitya shuddha buddha mukta swabhava ever pure ever free ever complete that's my own self that has assumed a human form that is that is functioning through a human form as we've been saying this asti bhati priyam this satchit ananda this parmatma cannot become cannot be objectified by my senses cannot be objectified by my mind and therefore he is functioning through this human form through a name and form and therefore mudaha ignorant people deluded people think that name and form is a real and they disregard the rasti bhati priyam which is the very essence of name and form like a child you know children small girls sometimes they quarrel with their mothers at home now they are getting ready this child also is getting ready mother is making her ready you know dressing her up and everything else and now comes the time for wearing some ornaments because they're going to wedding party mother says my child wear this bangle so no i don't want this bangle i want that bangle come on you i mean put on this earring i don't want this earring i want that earring in fact this bangle also is gold that bangle also is gold this earring also is gold that earring also is gold but where is the child's attention not to the gold the child is only looking at the form she is only looking at the name and form of the shape and that is why she might even choose i want to wear that one but my child that is a silver one i am giving a gold one i don't want i want only this for the child that content is not important gold is not important for the child only the form is important sometimes she wants to wear only a particular dress mom give me that dress Hey, come on, my child, my daughter, dear. That dress is nothing. It's it's just cotton thing. I'm giving you some nice silk and thing. I want only that. So sometimes we get so preoccupied with just the form and the name that we miss the very content. 
and this is what happens to the ignorant people even to me i look upon this body as myself i look upon this upadha name and form as my own self and i miss the very content that myself is avajananti maam mudaha and therefore i insult my i am the nature of harmony and even then what i what do i find myself doing i am all the time running out in the world searching for happiness i beg of the world oh world please give me happiness please give me security please give me recognition please recognize me please give me something that's all the time begging from the world what am i begging that which is my own nature is it not an insult i am a son of a multimillionaire and i go out and I, and you know i i go out to a pan pan shop or something and i ask that pan wala you know please give me one cigarette you know uh, can you can you lend me four anas or 25 paisa hey i am a son of a millionaire similarly also that very ocean of ananda is right in my heart and i go into the world just seeking little drops of ananda drops of happiness and that is how i am insulting that very self love is my own nature and i go out in the world seeking love security is my own nature and i go out in the world seeking security this is very activity of a human being who runs into the world and objects and achievements of the world seeking happiness seeking security seeking recognition disregarding the fact that the happiness security itself is own nature because we avajananti maam muraha manushim tanumashitam param bhavam ajanantah not knowing my param bhavam not knowing my true nature here lord krishna is telling us as our own self as our own self is telling us that oh human being oh jiva what are you doing when you are when you are going out in the world and all the time begging for the happiness and security you are insulting me who is the nature of happiness and security why does the ignorant person do that says ajananta mama bhuta maheshwaram that i am the maheshwara i am the great lord i am the lord of all the beings i am infinite not knowing the true nature of the self this ignorant person takes himself to be an incomplete being and thus goes out in the world searching for the happiness which is his own nature so this ko avagnya this ko insult insulting my own self it is like this that you invite a revered guest in your home he comes you give him a seat and then you dial a telephone and keep on talking on the telephone for 45 minutes that fellow is sitting there you know waiting for your attention this is an insult or my dad my father is a millionaire and i go out and beg for one dinar or something like that is an insult my own self is infinite i go out and seek little favors from the world it's an insult so this is how every ignorant person insults at lord insults his own self <clears throat> this is being told in order to give us a contrast of how the devotees are so now lord krishna describes his devotees in the 12th verse no sorry in the 12th verse again says what happens to these people so there are people who dis- they, they, they don't accept god there are people who denounce god 
there are people who refuse to accept his existence and they they don't accept that there is God, they don't accept that there is rule, they don't accept that there is dharma, they don't accept that there is an order at all and they conduct their life. What happens to these people? The twelfth verse tells us what happens to their life. Moghasha Mogha Karmanaha Mogha Jnana Vichetasaha Rakshasi Masurim Chaiva Prakrutim Mohinim Sitaha What happens to people in whose life there is no place of God? In whose life there is no place of truth? One may not use the word God, but still one may have trust in the truthfulness of life. So one may be following the basic values of life, of honesty, truthfulness, non-violence, then it is fine. A person may be a spirit, a religious person, another person may be a spiritual person. A religious person is the one who performs various religious rituals and so forth. There may be someone who doesn't perform those rituals, etc., conventional rituals. Nevertheless, he follows a life of values. He follows a life of truthfulness, honesty, non-violence. Then also we say that there is an acceptance of God. But there are those who defy this very dharma, defy the very values, because they don't accept a God. They don't accept any justice. And therefore, as motivated by their impulses of karma, krodha, loha, as lust, anger, greed, they keep on performing, keep on acting in the world. What happens to them? Mogashaha, Moga Karmanaha, Mogajnanaha, Vichetasaha. Mogashaha, the people of vain hopes, their hopes never get fulfilled. Moga Karmanaha, the people whose actions are all fruitless because their actions never bear fruit. Mogajnanaha, the people who are having totally useless or worthless knowledge. Vichetasaha, people of no discrimination at all. This is worth listening to. See, Lord Krishna is, is, is denouncing people who do not accept the existence of God in their life. When they, when they accept the existence of God, then naturally we are God-fearing people. When we are God-fearing people, then all the, the various basic values which are preached in the scriptures, we will try to adopt them in our life. On the other hand, those people who do not accept God, who defy God, they defy all the virtues of the life also, all the values of life also. Rakshasim, Asurim, Chaiva, Prakritim, Mohinim, Sitaha. So they are Raga and Dvesha, attachment and aversion. The Prakriti, the nature is going to be Asuri Prakriti. Asuri means the people who are totally committed or devoted to pleasure in their life. Oh, Rakshasi Prakriti, worse than them are the people who are just have cruelty in their life. So this is what we find, that those people who do not have dharma in their life, righteousness is not there, then what do they have? Either the life is totally devoted to seeking pleasure, or worse than that, they become very cruel people, destroying others. Rakshasim, Asurim, Chaiva, Prakriti, Mohinim, Sitaha, here, Arjuna, there are many people 
and they suddenly do not worship me then what do they worship everybody has to worship something everybody is a devotee by the way if i don't worship god i'll worship some i'll worship ghost yajante satvika devan yaksharaksham sirajasaha pretan bhudagram shanye yajante tamasajanaha the satvik people the pure hearted people worship god because that is how their motivation is they are always they seem to be inspired or motivated to worship god worship something divine worship the noble things in life yaksharaksham sirajasaha the people who are rajas rajoguni people who have all kinds of attachments in their heart they will worship what power and wealth this is what they worship yaksha and rakshasa power and wealth pretan bhudagram shanye yajante tamasajanah people who are tamas people that means who have tamoguna who have all this dullness in their heart total ignorance they will worship only the very low very base elements of life pretan bhudagram shanye they worship the ghost they worship all the of the values honesty and everything else and seek only pleasures and what happens to that is that when i am motivated only by my likes and dislikes slowly and slowly this forces evil forces of lust and anger and greed take over me and that's how there is a degeneration in our devolution in my nature who is asura asura is the person who is just seeking pleasure who is a rakshasa rakshasa is a person who is out to destroy others rakshasim asurim chaiva prakrutim mohinim shitaha here you know this is what happens to people when they do not take the life gratification ego is gratification of ego is the only purpose of life they slowly fall down from the status of even human beings they become asuras and ultimately becomes rakshasas they become demons and they become you know this is what demoniac nature takes over them so in these two verses lord krishna talked about the people who openly defy the righteousness who openly defy the order who openly defy the values who openly defy the existence of what we call anything that is god or divine and when thus they do not take into account god they are they fall into the forces of asuras and rakshasas and thus destroy themselves these two verses are told here to contrast the people who are worshiping god so the verse 13 tells us who are those who are the devotees of god or how should we become this is what now we are being told vijnanam what is meant by devotion to the lord <clears throat> or how are the devotees of daivim prakriti maashritah भजन somehow in their heart there is a faith that there is god some people are born that way born with this purity of the heart as we say that our birth is the result of our past actions those people who perform 
virtual deeds over number of past lives as a result of that they are born here with what we call sattvic nature with a certain purity of the heart as you know the bhagavad gita describes the human mind as made up of these three kinds of dispositions sattva rajas and tamas sattva is purity tranquility transparency rajas is agitation activity aggressiveness greed tamas is dullness darkness lack of initiative each one of us has elements of all the three there are times that we find ourselves very cheerful happy and also uh, having a purity or transparency of the mind lie down lazily want to sleep this is the tamas sattva rajas and tamas so what is evolution evolution is from tamas to the rajas and rajas to the sattva that is why first of all we are told there may be a tendency to avoid anything that is unpleasant avoid anything that involves exertion there is a tendency to take it easy if i can get away without doing in my life anything in my life i will rather have of your life here you are born to contribute something in the life the human being is born to contribute something to participate in the scheme of things so don't cop out a tamoguni person is the one who wants to cop out who wants to take things easy who wants things without doing anything in return so first lesson that lord krishna gives us in gita is don't do that understand that you are a part of the scheme of things and you find everything in the universe is constantly acting participating all the elements of nature are constantly participating and therefore you also should live a life in a spirit of participation so this is how we can overcome our tendency of tamas of dullness inactivity copping out when we remind ourselves that as human beings it is our duty to participate in the scheme of things that i am the recipient of the the support of the entire universe and that it is my duty that i must also contribute that god has given me this body the sense organs the mind the intellect the capacities the abilities the skills the knowledge all of this is given to me and therefore it is my duty that i gainfully use these things in order for the the, the, the as as a contribution to the running or continued this universe this i contribute myself this is the first step but generally when we perform action generally actions are performed generally with a selfish desire so then second step is to perform actions without selfish desires perform actions is an offering is a worship to the lord that is transforming rajas into sattva the energy is there use the energy now not merely for your own personal self interest but use your energy and abilities in a spirit of offering in a spirit of worship so this is the sattvic nature lord krishna is talking about this third kind of people who are whose devotees i become a devotee of the lord when i recognize that how i am enjoying constantly the grace of god 
that devotion is something to be discovered. When we observe our lives, then we find how constantly we are recipients of the grace. You must have heard Swami Dayanandaji telling us, you know, that look, my very existence shows the grace. The heart is constantly pumping blood, love, dub, love, dub, love, dub. But in love, it stops, dub, stops, love, stops, dub. So it's between love and dub, there is a grace. Because love, suppose it doesn't do dub, then that's gone. Grace. Then I open my mouth, I'm able to talk. See, we take things for granted in our life. That I can walk, I can talk, I can hear, that I eat food, it gets digested, things are taken for granted. But all of these are very important. All of these reflect the grace of the God. It is possible that I can I may open the mouth, I may not able to close it. I may my jaws may get locked, I can't close it, it can happen. When I wake up in the morning, I wake up a regular healthy person, it may happen that in the sleep I may suffer from a stroke, I want to eat that stuff. They are all right. Grace of God. So that we survive is grace. Every moment is, is reflects grace of God that I exist, that I live. Thus when I reflect, as I, even before I was born, is it not that everything was prepared for me? That I needed food, I needed air to breathe, I needed water to drink, I needed food to eat, all of this was prepared for me. As I proceeded in my life also I find that whatever I needed has always been given to me. Swami, that's not right, you know. I wanted so many things and I have not gotten. I, I don't see any justice in my life. Look at my brother, he got away with so much. Look at my friend and I have been deprived of so many things. Well, very often we keep on complaining and complaining and complaining. Because human mind always thinks of what it does not have and takes for granted what it has. I have no value for what I have, no appreciation of what I have and all the time complaining about things that I do not have. This is my mind. Just shift the focus and then look at what you have. But Swamiji, what about the fact that I did not go to medical school, I could not get admission. My friend got admission, I did not admission. I have to settle being an engineer. But how do you know that having gone to medical school, that necessarily it would be beneficial to you? How do you know that? How do I know that if my desire is satisfied, that it is necessarily good for me? How do I even know that? The child feels, look at this mother, you know. She has a whole jar full of candies and she doesn't give me. How cruel she is. Not only the mother does not give the child candy, but the child is coughing. Mother knows candy is no good for him. Not only mother does not give him the candy, mother reaches out for a bottle of medicine. The child knows it is bitter medicine. And moment the child finds the mother reaching out for medicine, the fellow starts running away because he doesn't want that medicine. What does mother do? She chases the child, catches hold of him and she presses the nose, mouth opens, the medicine is poured. Bitter medicine. How do you think the child feels? Mom, I hate you. you know? 
if you are if the children are being brought up in america this is how they talk to their parent mama i hate you i don't like you why because you are giving bitter medicine so child feels that the mother is very cruel and mother is apparently cruel also but she is cruel in order to be kind sometimes you have to be cruel in order to be kind is it not so would it be right for mother to keep on fulfilling all the desires of the child you think that it is for the well-being of the child a good mother or a good parent there are some parents who feel that giving the children whatever they want is good parenting it's not there are some parents who feel that controlling the child is good parenting that is also not right there must be a judicious combination of anugraha and nigraha favoring and constraining you do favor and you restrain this is the scheme of things like ramkrishna paramahamsa used to give the example of a pot maker when a pot maker makes you know is making pot on his potter's wheel then with one hand he keeps on stroking that pot to give it a shape with other hand inside the pot it is caressing the pot with one hand it is caressing the pot with other hand it is punishing the pot a judicious combination of of restraining as well as favoring this is what is required just as a child cannot expect that all his desires must be fulfilled because a good mother will make sure that the child gets what is in his benefit what is good for him and she will deliberately restrain him from from getting what is not beneficial to him similarly god also is mother and therefore it is not that he will fulfill all my desires i may not even know what is in what is in my best interest in my limited mind i think that this is what i want because this is good for me but in his omniscience god may knows that this may not be good for you and therefore he may not even give you that that doesn't mean that he's cruel just because my desires are not satisfied i cannot brand god as cruel shraddha if i have shraddha if i have trust then i know that even in not giving what i even in not getting what i did not get that is also grace of god that i have what i have because of his grace and that i do not have what i do not have that is also his grace <clears throat> but when our mind becomes satvik in a pure mind this kind of shraddha or the faith automatically arises this faith or trust is not something that i can will is something that i have earned as a result of the countless good deeds that i must have done in the past shraddha dharaha and those people who what are they seeking in their life are they seeking pleasure in their life no there is nothing wrong in pleasure but they realize that there is no end to seeking pleasure there is no end to fulfilling desires because desires are like fire and if i if i pour butter in the fire in order to quench the fire fire won't be quenched fire will become more and more demanding and intense similarly they know that fulfilling desires is not the way to end the desires because more i fulfill the desires more my mind keeps on demanding so these people are discriminating people they know that what i am seeking in life is not something outside of myself what i am seeking in life is my own self that i am deprived of my own self only because of ignorance 
and therefore what they are seeking in life is to remove that ignorance remove that ego remove that likes and dislikes which are the obstacles to appreciation of my own self and for that they worship the lord there are people there are different kinds of devotees <coughs> there are some devotees who remember god only when they are in tremendous problem you know until then they never remember so in india you find that at the time of examinations this hanuman temple and this ganesha temple the lots of income there lots of coconuts etc why because the fellow is nervous you know he just appear in the examination is nervous then he remembers god there is also devotee there are other devotees who make deals with the god they make a deal lord you have 0.1% partnership in my business how much 0.1% one 1000s of you know is is total profit goes to god not even 100th so he wants to give god one one rupee and wants 1000 from him. that's how they make a deal with god that artharthi they are also devotees a third is a devotee jignasu who wants to know god he realizes that that is only way really to fulfill my life is to know because that lord is not apart from me and i have to remove this barrier of ignorance i have to remove the barrier of ego and likes and dislikes and therefore these are the devotees who worship god for the sake of god other people worship god not for the sake of god i worship god for wealth so i'm worshiping wealth and god is just a, 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 you know i'm using it as a means to fulfilling my other desires but there are those who worship god for the sake of god they are the devotees of god all others are also devotees but the real devotees of god are those who do not want anything from god what do they want they want god himself they are the real clever people you know you there is a story of this this one rich man a very old man but very wealthy he had three sons he became old and he was ill this sons didn't bother about him but he had a servant an old time servant who served this old man until his last moment this old man he wrote a will the will was opened after his death and what did the will declare the will said each of my three sons can choose any one thing from my estate and property and all the remainder will go to my servant because the servant had served him sincerely and so the elders are all gathered the three sons are invited the elder son is asked now your father has said that you can get any one thing from the property tell me what tell us what do you want why oh, i want that factory all right have it the middle son what one thing do you want who oh, i want that beach vacation home all right have it the third son what do you want the third son says i want the servant <laughs> that is a way of asking if you do want to ask why don't you ask properly like this beggar this beggar was once sitting under a tree and weeping and the
can ask. What can he ask? Just a begging ball. If he had asked of the whole kingdom, that would have been given to him. But all, what does he ask? A begging ball. Similarly, what do we ask of God? Oh, give me some little money. Give me a little promotion. Give me this. Give me that. All the insignificant things. These people know. The devotees know. When they go to God, they don't ask for these little things. What do they ask? They ask God, I want you. That's all. As our Badaswan used to say that people always ask for Lakshmi. Lakshmi is goddess of wealth. They ask. Lakshmi comes to them. But someday she will go back to Narayana. On the other hand, if you worship Narayana, Lakshmi has to come. <laughs> but usually this kind of discrimination is not there in the people and therefore they waste away their life seeking little things, insignificant things in their life. But those who are devotees of the Lord are very intelligent people. What do they want? They say to the God, I want you. That's all. And so they want the infinite. They want to know the Lord. Not even as different from them. They want to know, know the Lord as the very self. They do not want even any distance between the Lord. I do not, I do not want even want to remain a devotee. Lord, I want to erase even that distance. Bhajanti Ananya Manasaha. They worship the Lord. Ananya Manasaha. With their mind always focused on the Lord and nothing else. That means in their life they worship God and nothing else. They don't worship. Everybody is a devotee. He is a Patni Bhaktaha, Putra Bhaktaha, you know. So he is a devotee of his wife, devotee of, devoted to his wife and devoted to his job and devoted to wealth and devoted to his children. Devoted to something which are all devoted. This person is only devoted to God. That's all. Ananya manasaha. In his mind, there is no room for anybody else other than God. Mahatmanastumam partha daivim prakruti mahasthitaha. Hey partha, hey Arjun. Mahatmanaha. This great noble souled people. Their mind is not small. A small minded person asks for small things in life. Who is a Mahatma? Mahan Atma Atma means mind, whose mind is great, who is large-hearted person. What does he want? He wants the infinite. He wants Lord Himself. Mampartha Devim Prakriti Mashritaha. How come this is the kind of desire that they have? Devim Prakriti. Because they have resorted to not Asuri Prakriti, not Rakshasi Prakriti, but Devi Prakriti. What is Asuri Prakriti, the demoniac tendency? I want, I want, I want. What is Rakshasi Prakriti? I destroy. So one fellow keeps on wanting and he just wants and hold and enjoy and possess. That is Asura. Other fellow just wants to chindi, bindi, kill him, you know, destroy. That is a Rakshasa. This person is what? He has Daivi Sampatti. So, in his heart, there is Sattvic Prakriti, the self-control, peace of mind, compassion, devotion, worship, non-violence, truthfulness, compassion, forgiveness. So, these are the qualities that they have resorted to in their life. In short, if you also want to become the real devotee of Lord, what should we do? We must resort to what we call Daivi Sampatti, 
or the divine wealth. In the 16th chapter, Lord Krishna describes what is the divine wealth. Ahimsa, Satyam, Akrodha, non-violence, truthfulness, non-anger, Tyagaha, Shantihi, Apaishunam. A spirit of charity, a spirit of giving, a spirit of serving, a spirit of offering, and inner richness. So these are the qualities that these noble soul people have. Or we can become noble soul when we deliberately adopt these kind of qualities in our life, these values in our life. Daivim Prakriti Mahashitaha, those people who resort to this divine prakriti, these divine qualities, these divine tendencies. Bhajanti Ananya Manasaha, they worship me with their mind totally focused upon me. In their life, as you know, you must have heard Mirabai. Merito Giridhar Gopal Dusarana Koi Mirabai says For me only Giridhar Gopal Giridhar means one who is holding the mountain in his hand That is Lord Krishna For me there is none other than Lord Krishna Dusarana Koi There is no one else Ananya Manasaha What Lord how come the What is it that brings about the devotion in you About you Gnyatva Bhuta Adimavyam Because they know me how do they know me? Bhutadim avyayam. They know that I am the very source of the whole universe. I am the very essence of the universe. I am the very self of everybody. I am the imperishable self of all. I am the imperishable soul of all. I am the imperishable source of all. I am the truth of everything. So these devotees know that I am the truth. This name and form is not the truth. But Asti Bhati Prem is the truth. This body, the name and form, my upadhi, personality is not the truth. That person is the truth about myself. So therefore they are seeking the truth of the life. So knowing that this is the nature of the truth, nature of reality, nature of God. Knowing me as such, they worship me wholeheartedly with single pointed attention to me. <coughs> Lord, how do they worship you? The 14th verse tells us that. Satatam kirtayanto maam Yatantas chadrudhavrataha Namasyantas chamaam bhaktya Nitya yukta upasate Satatam Kirtayantomam. You know Kirtanam? Kirtanam means singing the glories. Satatam Kirtayantomam. These devotees are noble souled ones. Those who are the divine or sattvic prakriti, the, the pure nature. Satatam Maam Kirtayantaha. All the time singing my glories. Yatantascha. All the time striving to know me, striving to reach me. That is all the time striving to remove that obstacles which separate me from God. And if God is my own nature, what is it separates me? Only ignorance. And the products of ignorance, namely the ego, ahankara, mamakara, ragadvesha. So these are the things that separate me from Lord. Yatantaha. 
all the time striving to give up their likes and dislikes, striving to become free from all those passions of likes and dislikes, attachments and aversion, striving constantly to become, make their life a whole life of worship and offering to the Lord, yatantaha. Those people have firm commitment in their life that what we want in our life is nothing but this truth, nothing but God. All the time saluting me, prostrating me with worship, with devotion or surrender to me with devotion. Namaskara. Namaskara means salutation. So when you salute somebody, what does it mean? Salutation means surrendering. All the time surrender to me. They take refuge of me. They do not take anybody else as a refuge, but then they take refuge of me. So here are the devotees of Lord who worship the God for the sake of God and who do not seek anybody else's help. They only seek the help of God. They don't seek the help of wealth. They don't seek help of name, fame or power. They only seek the help of Lord. Upasate, all the time united in me, all the time focused upon me, all the time centered upon me, Upasate, they worship me. Satatam kirtayantaha, with their words or with the speech, all the time singing my glories. Yatantaha, with their hands and legs, all the time serving me. Namasyantaha, with their ego, all the time surrender to me. Upasade, with their mind, all the time thinking about me. See how the total being is focused upon the Lord. At the level of body, we perform various actions. These actions are performed in the spirit of worship. Level of speech, I, I say, speak various things. So with the speech, I speak the glories of the Lord. With my ego, I am surrendered to the Lord. With my mind, I think of the Lord. This is how Lord Krishna says, My devotees worship me, knowing me to be the very source of the creation, the very origin of the creation, the very essence of creation, as a very the very self, as a very goal of life. <coughs> so this is how the the uh, devotees are described. We will continue our discussion tomorrow. Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyate Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om